this patch. I can't tell you my last name. I can't tell you where I live. But I can tell you that this is The X-Files, a show where a handful of weirdos talk all about every Animorphs book in order. And I'm joined this week by the most wanted criminal this side of the Endolite homeworld. It's Vivian. Hey, um, I feel like over time it's just going to get even more and more closer to the kids just fully revealing themselves to other people, though, considering how they're already getting captured pretty quickly. We're <laughs> on <laughs> book two. And it's already like, yep, uh, another near-death experience because we're dumb kids. <laughs> oh goodness, yes. But uh, before we jump into discussing that, we're also joined by the most talented Astrean on Earth. It's Kate. Hello. Ah. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a weird book in a lot of ways, especially for the Animorph series. But <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, like. Like, something like 16 chapters of it, or actually more, has just been, like, ba- not even a heist. Like, just, like, popping in to, like, try to figure out some information and getting, like, lucky both times and then getting real unlucky both times. <laughs> so it's, like... I don't think it was quite about getting lucky the second time, but we'll get into that. That's one of the chapters that, I, that I'm that i reviewing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's mostly just, like, the coincidence of, like, oh, yeah, you happen to go there at and, like, heard some important stuff. Although well, I, I, one's I, in a coincidence, but we'll get into that when I talk about the chapter. Yeah, yeah. I guess. We're also gonna see uh, just a wildly out-of-character Visser 3, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a fun yeah. time. Let's get into it. <laughs> I, I don't know how he's out-of-character, but I guess we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah, his character sure. so far is just is evil asshole. <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. that. Just uh, just at times incompetent because it's like he could, he could have easily stopped some of that stuff. <laughs> listen, we'll get there very fast. No worries. <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess uh, I'll start with chapter ten, which I have titled "Furry Bait." Um, the uh, the kids decide that they can't go to the Chapmans the next day because uh, Rachel has a paper to write, and Marco does too, but he's not necessary for this uh, endeavor, so who cares about him? Uh, And the day after that is Cassie's dad's birthday, so they wait three full days before going back for this mission. Like, I know Kate was talking a little bit about why didn't they just go in that same night last time, but three days is... (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. But yeah, um, they don't bother trying to catch Fluffer McKitty again. He's like four streets away, uh, so they're just gonna risk this. I for- I forgot that Fluffer had a last name in the last week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the last name's in these chapters. I don't know how you forgot it. Um, oh, was it? I-, I I forgot that too. I guess. <laughs> like I know that like there's times when she refers to herself slash him as Fluffer, but I didn't. I guess I was forgetting the McKitty part. Yeah, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, so Cassie suggests that, you know, we could just put this off even longer. That would be fine. This isn't an important mission. <laughs> we're just kind of screwing around anyway. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely not trying to figure out how to stop an alien invasion. It's all gravy, guys. Don't worry about it. It's all well, good. Well, that's true, but, like, this isn't exactly high intelligence gathering, you know? They could probably wait a week or two and still get the same information. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, as they'll later learn, like, this meeting basically takes place every night, so, I guess. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, so um, Rachel insists that we gotta go in because Melissa's her friend and they can help her, but Marco starts talking about how, like, helping Melissa is not their job. Uh, <laughs> he, he's already gotten to the point where he's willing to ignore people suffering in favor of getting this done, so good job, dude, you have adapted to the gorilla lifestyle faster than most. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Marco is definitely the most quickly jaded out of all of them, and I think it's because he came pre-jaded. Yes, I think that's correct. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it is fitting. He does literally turn into a gorilla. <laughs> Can you put in a badumptish there? <laughs> I don't know if that's too much work. <laughs> G-U-E. I know. I, yeah, no, I'm aware. That's why I made that joke. <laughs> okay. I could put in a drum sting there but uh i won't because i won't remember it i didn't make a note of the time code I so <laughs> don't uh, think it no deserves worries. one <laughs> uh, out of spite we won't do it for vi <laughs> yeah. so marco makes a crack about how they could be great at robbing places and jake could be spider-man and try to catch them but it does specifically not include the hyphen in spider-man in order to avoid the copyright so that's fun um <laughs> Wait, but they, but they never actually, like, write around other copyrights, like, in these, like, they, you know, compare them to, to like, X-Men and Fantastic Four later, and it's like, isn't that copyright? <laughs> to be fair, no one ever remembers the hyphen. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's very fair. important. Yeah, I the, mean... The hyphen is, is obligatory, it's necessary, it's mandatory, but no one remembers I it. I guess that's Yeah, fair. no, th th there's a reason why people joke about calling him Spider-Man, because... <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah. everybody just writes Spider-Man, usually just as one word, not, like, not even, like, capitalizing the M, just Spider-Man, just with lowercase M. <laughs> yeah, so Rachel starts to morph into Fluffer, and the reason I called this chapter Furry Bait is because she describes her morph, and the way it happens is that she stays entirely human and grows cat fur first, so... <laughs> Yeah, and, like, Cassie's real into it. Yeah, she super is. <laughs> um, Cassie knows that cat girls are cute. It's not her fault. Yeah, so after this, uh, she starts shrinking, and then, then she finally gets to be a cat. Uh, she talks a little bit about how it feels to be a cat, and it's all, like, confidence and minor nerves, but extreme, over-the-top, basically arrogance. I don't... I'm curious about how Applegate got her interpretations of animal behavior here. Like, I don't think arrogance when I think cats. I think uh, aloof and maybe uh, inobservant. <laughs> See, maybe that just comes I... down to the cat, because, like, I mean, me being around my one roommate's cat uh, for the better part of a year, it's like just being like, I mean, she was an older cat, but it's like, yeah, she definitely was that kind of cat of just being like, yeah, I'm here. I'm going to lay down in front of the fucking entrance to the kitchen. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> it's like, well, I can't nudge you out of the way because you might bat at me and I don't want to step over you because you might bat at me. So... <laughs> I don't think they're like based on anything else besides whatever she thinks that they should be, you know? And that's fine. Yeah. It's not like we know what it's like to be a cat. Yeah, you know? that's fair. Unless <laughs> one of us is actually an anamorph. <laughs> I gotta say, though, I mean, a cat batting at you is, like, the least dangerous thing a cat can do. Seriously. Yeah, they, they, they really don't put, they really don't have their claws out while doing so. Yeah. 
just a little lap. Today I woke up with eight injuries, and I assume that that's from the cat. That's way more of a deal than. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, so Rachel can suddenly see in the dark, and somehow she didn't anticipate this, I guess, because she's just yelling about, well, thought speak yelling about how she can see, and like. It doesn't say she's broadcasting this generally, but I kind of feel like she is. <laughs> um, well, this was before Tabaxi were added as a playable race, so yeah, it makes sense. She doesn't know they have dark vision. Some guy one one street over just thinks thinks he's going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then um, she talks then some about how cat vision works, and apparently cats in animorphs at the very least i don't know if this is true in real life but animorphs cats work on t-rex rules they can only see you if you're moving so um <laughs> I, I think i think it's it's that they see things more easily if they're moving it doesn't say that she can't see things that are still just yeah. that her eyes are drawn to things that are moving and that actually makes sense um yeah, no, like, I just... She like, mentions like that she has to really, really focus her human side to, like, look at things that aren't moving, so... Because it's, it's, like, a... I read it as, like, a predator thing of, like, you know, cats, like, to, you know, mm -hmm. just, like, stare at, like, like, prey that don't really, like, uh... that aren't active and stuff, but aren't they, like, more, like, activated to go after them if they, like, really, like, make a movement kind of deal? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Although I don't know if I'd say activated for a cat. <laughs> um... <laughs> cat triggered <laughs> there, like a point where like marco marco's like um wait C cassie remarks that cat vision is a cat night vision is eight times stronger than human night vision mm -hmm. and then marco's like oh eight times how do we know how like how could you be possibly measure that and i'm like well duh <laughs> rod cell density like <laughs> pay attention in science class you know <laughs> yeah um Marco trying to Marco with a whiteboard trying to figure out the complex mathematics to figure out just how we can actually figure out how much a cat's vision is better than a person's. <laughs> Marco, where'd you get that lab coat from? <laughs> it's just like the density of the rod cells in the retina. That's it's it's that simple. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's funny that he questions that, but none of them question a hawk, which, you know, again, an easy uh, internet search or looking up any biology mm. book would tell you hawks actually can't look well in the night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but would the internet have told you that in 1996? Th this is true, I guess. <laughs> it would have told you that, but it would have taken a long time. And as we'll learn later, Kay Applegate has a pretty strong aversion to the 90s internet <laughs> i mean the 90s internet was not good to be fair <laughs> uh, yeah um, so rachel basically just watches a mouse for a while <laughs> uh it doesn't say she's like hunting it or whatever but she's just paying attention to what it's doing and it matters she says she cares about it a lot so <laughs> um but yeah so they, they start talking to her and at least she's not out of control, they say, which I'm not super sure I agree with. But, uh, yeah, uh, a figure flies over, and uh, she just absolutely freaks out, but she's ready to fight. And, uh, quote, and whatever this was attacking me, I wanted it to know it would be sorry it messed with Fluffer McKitty. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's move into chapter 11, which, yeah, that first chapter was very short, huh? Um... 
Yeah. I mean, that's just how they go. Like, I mean, we've, we had that mm-hmm. one chapter back in the previous book that was, like, what, eight pages? Yeah. Compared to the rest being, like, two and a half. <laughs> and also just some of them, in general, are just also like, well, this one is just describing morphing into a tiger, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, chapter 11, I've called Self-Doubt. Um, basically, uh, Rachel is super ready to fight. She's got her claws out. Uh, it's Tobias. Uh, Cassie mentions here that cats are genetically programmed to be afraid of large birds. I don't know that that's true necessarily, but again, this is anamorphs biology. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, let's, let's see what Google says. <laughs> it's also the statement of a like twelve-year-old animal enthusiast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cassie probably knows a lot about animals for someone her age. I wouldn't like think I wouldn't trust her to be an expert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... Rachel talks a little bit about how, like, she's afraid, but it's a different kind of fear, because this fear is more like, I'm going to rip your face off kind of fear. Uh, Apparently, her experience as a cat is basically just putting up the biggest front you possibly can to murder anything that stands up to you. (laughs) Okay, so apparently, uh, birds the size of macaws are fearful of cats. But in general, uh, cats small enough to be prey size for birds like bald eagles actually are generally afraid of large predatory birds. How, how big is a hawk compared to a macaw? I feel, I feel like it, they're not, the not, same size. Yeah, not, not much bigger, <laughs> yeah. It's like the, the hawk is like that weird, like, I guess it's a dice roll or something for that. It's like, well, larger, I mean, like, I, I, I watched, like, parts of, like, one of those, like, Planet Earth spin-offs where it's like, you know, an eagle can, like, grab, like, a goat or something like that and drag it to make it fall off a cliff. So it's like, yeah, they could get a cat. <laughs> A red-tailed hawk can have a wingspan of up to 56 inches, and a blue and gold macaw can have a wingspan of up to 45 inches. So yeah, he's about a foot wider. Yeah. Oh, okay. That is... I guess when the bird is flying overhead, it is really wingspan that matters. Yeah, compared to if it's just, like, sitting on the ground or whatever. And also when you are a cat and only a foot long yourself. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, she decides that she's taking control of this animal form because she just decides that. She hasn't actually done any work. (laughs) Um, Kind of describes it as being Clint Eastwood. And describing Clint Eastwood as an old cowboy movie guy. <laughs> uh, so, you know, again, kids in the 90s. Um, and yeah, they warn her not to let the cat get away with them, but uh, she just kind of wanders off. So this is a little... I don't know how to say this exactly. This isn't how being a cat works, or being an animal works a lot of the time. Like, most of the time, it'll just be human intelligence in charge with animal instincts on the side and then more powerful instincts can like override the human kind of like what we saw with jake but in this chapter rachel very much talks like fluffer mckitty is in her head with her disagreeing about what's going on it's a lot more yeah system than usual (laughs) yeah and i feel like that's something that's gonna get phased out later yeah like she's talking about specifically like memories yeah yeah uh, for sure that fluffer would have had that she does not and that does not stay especially later when they start like there are times later in these books where they will morph sentient creatures Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and it's not like there's another set of memories in their heads. It's not like there's another. It's not like there's another personality. Hmm. It's just, you know, yeah, the, the instincts. I, ima- I imagine the, it's whatever they're morphing. I imagine it's just one of those cases of like, well, it's early in the series, so it's just a little bit weird compared yeah. to the book series overall. Yeah, like <laughs> it's kind of one of those things like how Patch and I have discussed a lot of times on a. Uh, that's where it's when we were covering Owl House early on, where it's like, yeah, stuff in the early Owl House makes no fucking sense by com- in comparison to later on. Like, what they bring up wizards, and wizards never get brought up again. <laughs> but they're wizards in that series. Yeah. Eh, who knows? Who cares? Yeah, they, they're. I think they're still trying to work out the rules. Yeah. Um, also, like I, this... I'm just gonna say, okay. I don't think a cat would remember when it was a kitten. Because, <laughs> like, do, do do animals like cats remember? anything that, that long term like that besides like the people I mean, that feed them i would imagine they would like cats can recognize other cats cats can remember people oh. and other you I know, guess, animals yeah i guess i guess i'm mostly thinking of it in terms of like like i don't think my ferrets when i had them would have remembered that stuff <laughs> they've they've done studies that have shown that um caterpillars after metamorphosing metamorphosizing uh still respond to aversive stimulus uh, in the same way that they would have learned to as caterpillars. So there's memories that are retained there um, even after they turn to goo and then reform. <laughs> yeah, that, we that, that, really whole, how... that, that whole recent tweet yeah. about that where it's like, yeah, that's fucking metal as hell. <laughs> yeah. It's just Alex, uh, uh, Secret Life of Alex Maxing yourself, but uh, you, know, you don't retain anything afterwards. But apparently, your memory—it's <laughs> like I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, underestimate. I guess animal memory. Yeah, yeah. I mean, con- cats can definitely recognize individuals. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, you know, con- considering how often it would be like, yeah, if I had like a door open that I didn't, for a room that I didn't want the ferret to get into, and I closed it for the next like month or so, they would immediately make a beeline to it every single day when they came out of their cage for playtime yeah. to see if it was open and it's like guys how do you know what how do you remember this and it's like because it's different so therefore it's the only thing we care about of course <laughs> i mean there was a recent study with cats that indicates that not only do they know their own names but they know the names of other cats in the houses they live in so <laughs> oh okay then again I, I guess i can only compare it to ferrets again because i've only really had ferrets at all for like about half my life and i never had a dog or cat as I recall, the way they did that study was basically they just started calling one cat in the house a different name and watched if the other ones got confused or not, so it might not be the most. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can tell you for sure, Riley and Tucker did not know their names. <laughs> um, yeah, so Rachel basically starts catting around. She keeps saying she's in control, but she extremely isn't, and I don't think she has the capacity to realize that she isn't. Um because she's just, like, jumping on stuff and balancing all over the place and looking at mice and saying she's going to come back and hunt them later, and... <laughs> uh, she... Like, she has to, uh, at this point, conjure the memory of a big Tom's... Like, she she smells a post that a big tomcat that would beat her in a fight has peed on, and she has to, like, use that smell in her memory to keep control over the cat morph, and... <laughs> It's a lot. Yeah, um, they, she heads inside, uh, just right on in there. Um, three humans in the house, uh, she knows them. Uh, there's a cockroach, but 
she claims that roaches are not prey, which shows you how much Applegate knows about cats. Roaches are extremely <laughs> prey. <laughs> roaches are, in fact, Ziggy's favorite prey. She likes to rip the legs off and leave the body laying around. Um, <laughs> uh, Ziggy being metal as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, she I eats mean, I the know, legs, I... but the body isn't good. So. <laughs> I mean, I know that like the whole thing with like cats playing with their like prey and stuff like that is a thing, but it's like... Uh, I mean, I guess that also goes into the larger question of do roaches feel pain? <laughs> um, according to like recent research, yeah, probably. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fun. Um, yeah. <laughs> so she's just wandering through the house and commenting on basically everything as a cat, but then uh, she finds something weird. Uh, Chapman is here in the living room, and he's just sitting on the couch staring at the wall. Like, no TV, no music, no reading. He's just staring. This is a great use of your time if you're an alien invader, I'm sure. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Look, sometimes you just have to stare at the wall and question uh, everything about your existence. I choose, I choose to think that he's staring at the wall, not because he's a weird alien invader and doesn't know how to people, but because of what he has to deal with in a few minutes. <laughs> That's probably it, true, yeah. yeah he's just, he's he's just, just like, uh, Mentally psyching himself up for like, oh, Christ, every yeah. single fucking day I gotta report to my fucking manager. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so she hears Melissa upstairs doing her homework, and Mrs. Chapman is in the kitchen doing something, cutting vegetables, and... Rachel comments on how weird it is that she's not got the TV on and no music, but, like, I don't know. It's fine. Just whatever. Not everybody has to be media-stimulated at all times. I do, because I'm ADHD, but... <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's just one of those things that it's like, how does Melissa not know that there's, like, a larger problem going on if her parents can spend time just, like, staring at a wall <laughs> and, and not doing anything else? <laughs> Like, you, for an alien invasion, uh, you know, being conducted by an alien empire, the Yurks are not very good at blending in, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it makes a lot of sense when you, like, we'll learn a little bit more about the history of the Yurk invasion, mm -hmm. uh, like, significantly later, but it actually does make a lot of sense why they're not good at this, and I will <laughs> not say anything about that, except that it's all Visser 3's fault. Okay. I'm just, I, I can't help but uh, compare it to just, like, all the bits with, uh, like, Zim in particular. Because the Yurkin Empire overall in Invader Zim seems pretty competent. It's just Zim is an idiot. <laughs> I'll also say, because I don't think this is a huge spoiler, and it might explain a lot of things, mm -hmm. this is the first time they've tried to do oh, it Oh, yeah, this absolutely. Way. Okay. <laughs> I will be curious to see in, like, what, uh, 30 books from now when we maybe get more context on that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get, get, putting my money we'll down. Most... Book, book thirty-two is when we're gonna get that info. Is it gonna... I think that we'll get. We'll, I think we'll get the most context for that in the Hork Bajir Chronicles. Oh, um, oh, that but... makes that makes well, sense. If those are... It's it's kind of a double action, right? Because the Hork Bajir Chronicles tells us about what they've done in the past, but the Endolite Chronicles tells yeah. us what they're doing here. So, and Vis and Visser tells us about uh, about that as yeah, well. Yeah, and that's going to be a long He's time since, like, yeah. 46 or yeah. so, I want to say. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, I guess it would make sense. I would imagine it would be closer to the end of the series when you get, like, way yeah. more context for stuff like that. Like, a yeah. more, like, galactic scale, universal scale. I don't oh, know, wow, obviously, I'm what they... Only 35. Oh, yeah. so I was actually pretty close when I said 32. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, we'll go in prices right rules. I think that I think I get on stage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, uh, chapter twelve, Chapman's man cave. Um, <laughs> so uh, Fluffer McKitty slash Rachel is just following Chapman down the stairs into the basement, and she gets a thought speak from Tobias. And I don't know why they haven't been doing this basically the whole time. You have untraceable transmissions. You could just be reporting, but. I guess she's only been here like three minutes, so don't worry about it. Um, yeah, he he probably doesn't want to like just constantly be screaming in her head because she might not be able to focus on hearing stuff going on inside the house. Yeah, but she super does not expect this. It freaks her out. Um, but yeah, they go down to the basement, and she doesn't hear him anymore, so it's not clear whether it's because they're in the basement and out of range, or if it's because he's just shut up, but either way... Um, it mentions that there is a, a TV room down here with a pool table and some old chairs and a couch, but apparently the Yerks just have not kept up appearances at all. Like, my man, you have a meeting room in your house. You could be having secret Yerk meetings right here with no one being suspicious because you've got a man cave, but no. Exactly. <laughs> They're bad at maintaining cover. <laughs> yeah, uh, there is a, uh, a door in this basement. Uh, a, not even a secret door, just a regular door. And they go through it, and uh, there's, like, a Star Trek door behind it. So they go in there, and there's a secret, secret room. Uh, it's not s described super well, but basically there is a desk in this room, and that's what we get. <laughs> a desk and a chair. So Rachel goes ahead and hides under the desk on account of uh, she's a cat and would be noticed. Um, he's just kind of sitting there. Looks like he's waiting for something, but uh, after a moment, uh, there's just a huge bright light, which takes shape. Uh, this is Visser 3. Uh, apparently the Yerks have much better hologram technology than Star Wars does. Um, <laughs> yeah, so they, uh, they, they introduce themselves, I guess. They've got a formal greeting, which I don't think we're going to see again in Yerk culture, honestly. Like... From this point on, it becomes far more casual. <laughs> but, uh, yes, Chapman's Yerk is apparently Innis 226 of the Sulp Nyar pool. But, uh, Visser 3's Yerk does not introduce himself, so what a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is a Yerk, so therefore he is a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Visser wants to find. wants to hear what Chapman's progress on locating the bandits, the Andalite bandits is, and of course there's nothing, because they haven't done anything, and there aren't any Andalites. Also, uh, it's only been a week. <laughs> also, it's been a week, and three days. Um, and yeah, he, when Chapman says that they have, don't have anything yet, the Visser kind of throws a hissy fit, and I want them found now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he, he threatens to report... Chapman's Yerk to the Council of Thirteen for, I guess, not being good at his job? Question mark? Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I have to say, just based on the fact that it's the Council of Thirteen, I was really thinking of that stupid fucking throne room that you see in some of the later Kingdom Hearts games that Organization Thirteen hangs out on that are all at different levels, but <laughs> instead of a person in a black cloak, it's just a brain slug on one of those big thrones. <laughs> <laughs> And then just being like, we realize that we really can't have a proper meeting like this, but we do it just because it's rad. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 
But uh, the thing is, is that Visser Three apparently reported to the Council of Thirteen that he had managed to destroy all Andalite ships on the planet, and all Andalites aboard were killed. So the fact that there are Andalites on the planet will be super suspicious, and they're just going to kill him. And if they kill him, he's going to get <laughs> Chapman first. So you know, lying to your boss. Good job, Visser Three. Uh, welcome to the revolution. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, Rachel gets distracted at this point because she's smelling something weird, something that doesn't make sense, and she's pretty sure she's smelling the yerk that sits in Chapman's head. So again, this is a second animal that can smell the yerks in people, and they just do nothing with this. <laughs> yeah. But because yeah, right. I did. I didn't even realize that. It's like yeah, you if you ever suspect somebody is a yerk, just be a cat apparently and just sniff around yeah. and be like. Yep, brain slug. Yeah. yeah, Jake's dog could smell it, and now this cat can too. Like, it's super easy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's so distracted by the possibility that she might be smelling a yerk that uh, she forgets that anything else is happening in the room, and so Visser 3 spots her. Uh, he asks what that is, because I guess he's never seen a cat before. And uh, Chapman explains at which point Visser 3 tells him to kill it. <laughs> yeah, I bring that. I just say, and I'll mention this like again later on when I do my chapters, but for the guy who's supposed to be in charge of the whole ass invasion of Earth, Visser mm-hmm. 3 doesn't know shit yep. about Earth. Yep, I have that in like the first few sentences of my synopsis for chapter 13 of like. Literally wrote down here. Mister Three apparently doesn't know what cats are, despite seemingly being in charge of the invasion of Earth. <laughs> and yet, yeah, he knows it. No, just make uh, take a bite out of your enemy jokes in the last book. <laughs> my man has been studying like, the language, but not actually anything on the planet. <laughs> yeah, like like he's he's not doing any of the homework involved with actually being able to lead an invasion, apparently. And just is like, well, I don't need to do that. I've got my minions to answer that stuff. Okay, <laughs> cat. I guess we should get this. Th- hmm? I don't think Visser 3 reads anything that doesn't have pictures. <laughs> <laughs> like Chapman having to give him a picture book that he can drew for Visser 3 during their like in-person meetings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here's the status of what's going on, sir. This is a cat. It says meow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, put that. Bring back Alan Morse as a TV show and put that scene in. <laughs> Hire us as writers for the Alan Morse reboot TV series. Uh, what, Nickelodeon, I guess, because I think Nickelodeon would probably still have the rights to this day, right? Probably. I don't really know how that works with TV rights. Yeah, especially for a show that ended like twenty years ago and only got two seasons. It's like, yeah, pro- probably still have to like negotiate with them. I'd imagine. No. I want... See, Animorphs is the only case where, in order to do a faithful adaption, you would actually have to do a dark and gritty reboot. <laughs> yeah, Which I is mean, why yeah, I that, would want it to be that d- on HBO. <laughs> yeah, that that does actually make sense, especially with, like, you know, as you said, like, how fucking gnarly this series gets over time. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, this would actually be the one case where it would make sense, <laughs> compared to, like, everything else. <laughs> I will say, at one point, there was 
Yeah. As of 2020, there were allegedly going to be a, at least a small series of live-action Animorphs movies that just, as far as I can tell, never happened, so... <laughs> mm. Unless they're, like, still working on that in, like, development. Like, you know, yeah. like, how for so long they were talking about whether there was going to be a sequel to Detective Pikachu or not, and then it got cancelled, and now apparently mm-hmm. it's back. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah, who knows. But also, like, Detective Pikachu released, like, almost five years ago, I think, right, at this point? <laughs> I think that was 2018. Yeah. And uh, Sean Ashmore, who played Jake in the TV series, says that he wants to do a reboot TV series. So I guess he's going to play a teenager again? I don't... <laughs> I, I mean... It... Maybe maybe Sean Ashmore would play someone else. <laughs> and not yeah, I, I would hope. Like, you know, kind of similar to like how they have... Uh... Oh, God, what's his name? Uh, Trey Baker and Ashley Johnson as like other characters in The Last of Us. Uh show even though it's like they voiced joel and ellie in the games yeah which is like I, yeah. you know makes sense for ashley johnson i honestly don't know why they just wouldn't use uh troy baker as joel i mean he's he's not like old old like joel but it's like like you could pass that off compared to like ashley johnson who i think is in her like 30s trying to play a teenager which would not work I mean, I as much as riverdale baker likes to pretend old. it does <laughs> yeah like that yeah because yeah, like pedro, pedro... Pedro's not Pedro Pascal awful. looks about the same age. He, he looks like he could be 57, which is how old Joel I is get. in The Last of Us show. Yeah. Yeah, I guess actually that does track. Is like even like Joel, men- I think Joel mentions in the games that like he had like Ellie when he was a bit young. Uh, not Ellie, uh, his daughter, whose name is Gates Me, like when she was when he was a little bit younger, which is why he's like around like early 30s in the prologue. So he's like 50s or so in the yeah. game itself. Oh, I guess yeah. that's right. Sorry for the derail there. <laughs> Nah, yeah, that's cool. Oh, yeah, we should probably just continue because we have more to talk about with uh, yeah. Visitor Three being an idiot. <laughs> uh, but yes, in any case, Chapter Thirteen, which I'm calling calling Cat's Grace, <laughs> uh, has Rachel's immediate thought be of uh, running the fuck away, <laughs> but she knows that if she did so, it would clearly give away that she understood what Visitor Three said. So, hey, for once, one of these teenagers is being smart. <laughs> Realizes like. <laughs> Yeah, if I do that, he's going to know yeah. that I'm definitely not a cat. <laughs> so, so she instead lets the not-giving-a-fuck attitude of Fluffer take over and just meows at them. <laughs> doesn't mean to anything else. Which, again, bringing up, some of his three doesn't know what cats are. <laughs> Don't know how. Uh, but Chapman says that uh, Fluffer Rachel, as I, or Fluffer Rachel, as I started writing my notes here, <laughs> merely wants to eat. And that's why she's meow. You know, like, he says she is meowing. But the hologram of Visitory slashes out with his tail at her, so she just reacts as a cat would by crouching low and batting at it. Because, you know, again, fully letting the cat take over. And at this again, like, Visitory is just amused by all this, knowing that cats are ferocious and mm-hmm. didn't back down despite being much smaller. But also he remarks that cats are too small to be hosts for the Yerks, so I guess it's just cat brain is too small, I guess. <laughs> Well, you gotta have a certain skull volume to be able to fit a yerk in there, so... This, this tracks, yeah. Which is to say that if they ever learn what a lion is, we're screwed. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> They're just cats, but bigger. But they know... I mean, well, they saw a tiger just a week ago. This is fair. <laughs> like, yeah. they, they would know... Uh, I mean, at this point, Vista 3, like... Because, like, it doesn't... It, oh, it gets brought up, doesn't it? Of, like, oh, yeah, they're part of the same, like, family, like, with, when they bring up the tiger later on. <laughs> I do want to make a note real quick, like, 
Visor 3 in this conversation is just like talking. I guess they have tech that turns his thought speech into a phone call. Yeah, so. yeah. Like, yeah. We, didn't, we didn't bring that up. Yeah, because like he's not just thought speaking in general. He is. It's like yeah. a, it's like a, Chapman put on the closed captions, but also put on like voice to, <laughs> no, text to voice <laughs> for his own purpose rather than having to be like. Chapman is definitely the kind that's like, oh, I'm I'm not I'm subs not I'm mean, I'm dubs not subs. I'm not gonna read while I'm watching TV. <laughs> <laughs> Chapman secret anime fan. <laughs> uh, but yes. Uh, in any case, Fister Three just needs to push for Chapman to kill Fluffaracel anyway, because better to be safe than sorry, since it could still be an Andalite playing imposter. This Andalite's definitely not crew. Which again makes sense. It's one of the few times that we see Fister Three actually be smart with this whole series of chapters. Like, yeah, it'd kill it anyway. It's like make it simple. It's better to be safe than sorry with it. <laughs> Uh, I, that's that's also just kind of the solution that Visser Three aims toward all the time, which is kill it. When in doubt, kill it. Fair. I mean, he did fireball a bunch of host people that were trying to escape <laughs> just a week ago. Is one of the options killing things? Visser Three will want to do that. <laughs> if one of the options is not killing things, he will kill things anyway. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah. But in any case, Chapman hesitates because killing the cat would anger Melissa and blow his cover, which. I get his thought process here. It's just funny that he like says like it would blow my cover, and it's like he's not really elaborating. But it's like it's really just comes down to like, yeah, killing a cat is kind of a fucked up thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is where Visser Three does what I said at the top was wildly out of character for him, and that it's he chooses to maintain Chapman's cover over killing something. Like, right. Uh, yeah, that, that's yeah. fair. He he chooses not to do a violence. <laughs> yeah, the, the line here is he was not a creature who made impetuous decisions. Yes, he is. He will murder his henchman <laughs> at a drop of a hat. He does not care. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> also, it's like even if like Chapman's cover is blown, it's like just you know take the fucking brain slug out and kill off Chapman and put the brain slug in somebody else who might be useful, like a different principle. <laughs> Visor 3 is like a commissar from Warhammer 40k. He probably killed more of his own men than than he has the enemy. So so you're saying he's uh, Zap Brannigan, basically. Uh, actually, he kind of that's that's not a bad comparison. <laughs> Mr. Three is a lot like Zap Brannigan in many ways. Mr. Three just seemed like there's one kill bot. I sacrificed a thousand men until this kill bot's programming uh, told itself that mm-hmm. it killed enough so it shut down. I gotta win. <laughs> the I... only difference is Mr. Three does not have a kiff. Uh, um, yeah. And I think Mr. Three badly needs a kiff, but would not have the modicum of humility necessary. <laughs> In many ways, Sarah, like neither of them wears pants. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, he's in like a weird, like alien centaur body. Like, I, I feel like, I mean, would the weird alien centaur body wear pants like this or this? <laughs> is now the question that comes up. <laughs> uh, in any case, uh, uh, Fluffer Rachel at this point decides to rub against Chapman's legs to better sell the notion that she's definitely crew, not imposter, definitely not us. Uh, which amuses Visit 3 for how cats are also great at manipulation on top of being little murder machines. <laughs> uh, and then he tries to go back in his agreement with Axel Chapman of leaving Melissa out of all this because of his Yerk's failure to find who he still thinks are the five Andalites from a week ago. Uh, and Chapman swears that to find the supposed Andalites, and to prove his point, Visit 3 morphs into a big tube monster, which I basically just could not imagine him not being a like-like. 
<laughs> and demonstrates what happens to those who fail him by playing a recording of him sucking the yerk out of the head of a woman as the big two monster. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, in any case, uh, the next one, chapter 14, which I'm going to call Emotional Support Familiar, or just Emotional Support Cat. Uh, has Chapman tell his also yerked wife about what just happened with the the fucking Skype call? <laughs> uh, calling Visit 3's morph a Varnax, aka a Yerkbane, which I'm guessing is just a classification of creatures in the universe that are just super fucked against Yerks, I guess. It's an alien what eats Yerks out of your brain. Yeah, That's what I'm really kind of curious about because yeah. it's not a native predator to the Yerk homeworld. So where did they come from? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it is. I thought it was. Ah, that's... No. Because I... Uh... Well, according to the wiki, they are native to the Yurkom world. I, I, I could have sworn they're also mentioned in the Andalite Chronicles. When they... When they do... When we do see the Yurkom world. Apparently, this is the only mention of them. But I was... Hmm... I don't know. I have a distinct memory of him saying that he acquired it on the far side of some forgotten moon, but apparently not. Uh, I think you're... I thought that was the uh, that was the little uh, that was the like the eight legged thing. That could be, yeah. Yeah, I think I think the, you're, I think you're thinking dying... of the the fireball hydro thingy that it was, I think was yeah. in the last book. But yeah, no, this is no this one. It... This is the only mention of a Vanarx. <laughs> It would not make any sense for uh, Van Arx to evolve anywhere but on the Yurkom world. Yeah. I guess. I just don't feel like they're native to the Yurkom world because, like, not to spoiler too much, when we see it later, nobody ever, like, mentions it or cares about it. (laughs) I don't think that that necessarily needs to happen for them to be native there. You know, we could just not, not see one, you know? Fair enough. Uh, in any case, uh, with this we also get a posthumous name for that uh, York that got eaten, uh, basically referring to them as, again, Enos, Enos, I don't know, I forget how that would be pronounced. I think it's Enos. Enos174, uh, and uh, Mr. Chapman is shocked that he killed an Enos of what she calls the second century, which I'm sure we'll probably get elaborate on later, because nope. I have questions about... <laughs> Okay, sure, cool, okay, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I was like, oh, I guess that's the second century of the Yurk Empire, we, like, going around trying we'll, to take over stuff? <laughs> we'll, we'll learn a little bit more about Yurk ranking systems as we go, but that's not one nope. of them. That's not something that'll be elaborated I on. I feel like this is just early series. We're trying to establish something yeah. to make it seem important and cool that he did this right. to this person, yeah. but it's just not going to yeah. be a thing. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, but in any case, uh, at that point, Chapman just drags Bishop 3 through the mud as a shitbag, but his wife reminds him that he'd be toast long before the Council of 13 would take away Bishop 3's power. So, but at that point, Melissa interrupts them, asking for help with her math homework, but they just brush her off telling her that they're busy and that she should do her own work because she won't learn otherwise. But they do assure her that they'll come help later if she needs it. But uh, during this, Rachel notes that the reassuring words they say like all the love and affection they normally would, so she's just really fucking pissed. I mean, again, uh, absolutely terrible at maintaining comfort. Yeah, like. yeah, not even, yeah. like, these. no, no yerk has any perce- deception at all whatsoever. <laughs> I don't understand Zero how to do my homework. Figure it minus out. Minus two charisma, no proficiency, <laughs> just, yeah. Uh, but yeah. 
but uh, like they're, they're they're saying they're saying the words you're supposed to mm-hmm. like they do say like oh if you have any trouble if you have any more trouble with it we'll come and help you but there's nothing there, there's nothing behind it there's no emotion yeah behind it there's no actual love yeah um which yeah that's a problem <laughs> yeah a lot <laughs> But yeah, Rachel decides to follow Melissa upstairs and sees her crying in her bed. Uh, but when she's like there, Tobias interrupts her with news that Fluffer is trying to go home and that the others are on defense trying to catch him and stop him from getting home. <laughs> Which very funny uh, mental image by head of these idiot teenagers on the street trying to like just form a human barricade stopping a cat from getting past them. Jake, you can be a dog. Just chase Fluffer away. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Also that. Wait. See that. <laughs> yeah. But in any case. Uh, she just blows him off since they come from Melissa, so she starts purring to help her friend, and Melissa holds her for comfort, and asks her what she's done to make her parents not love her anymore, so, uh, we're two bucks in and already at some fucking heavy <laughs> stuff. <laughs> uh, and this really sets off Rachel, since she now knows why her friend stopped hanging out with her, and how hopeless Melissa's situation is, so she swears to make the Yerks pay when she finally is able to get out of the house once Melissa falls asleep. Which I thought was already the case, but now she she's like, no, it's personal now. <laughs> yeah, now now she has like a personal reason yeah. for it. She sees the actual emotional damage that the Irks can do. Yeah, compared to um, just brains like bad. <laughs> yeah, like before it's abstract. Now it's okay. Yeah, I see direct example, like a, a direct result of their evil. Mm-hmm. And yeah. At that, uh, we go into chapter 15, which I have a bad pun because I'm going to call it Bird Direct Message. <laughs> I was trying I'm to sorry? think. I, what? I, I was trying to make a DM joke or like, like for like direct message or private message. Uh-huh. Uh, I couldn't think of one fully, so I did Bird Direct because there's a D at the end of Bird uh-huh. and at the start of okay. Direct. <laughs> I see. So. Um, There's a lot that of deep... pun is <laughs> bad. that pun is so tortured yeah. <laughs> that Visser Three would be jealous. Of you. <laughs> Look, there's a lot of direct messaging going on in this chapter. It makes sense. Uh-huh. Yeah, there is. There Especially is. Jersey from Tobias. It makes sense. <laughs> there is. You're right about that. Oh, yeah. yeah, there is a lot of direct messaging happening. <laughs> exactly. Uh, in any case, uh, Rachel gets her first C in a long time due to her being a bit preoccupied with saving the world slash her friend. And Jake finds her between classes and tells her to meet them at the old church tower after school, which then just cuts to her meeting up with Tobias as they fly, and the two talk about how the mall is just so great for their beloved thermals, because they just had to talk about thermals again in this book. Yeah, thermal count goes up by one. At the, at the end of this, I'm going to count up the number of times thermal gets said in this book. Fun. I'm going to do that for, for each one, I think. <laughs> I, I'm wondering what that number is going to be at. Uh... <laughs> I imagine it's probably not going to come up as much later on in the series, right? So I don't think it's going to be necessarily <laughs> no, it, a very high number. It, it definitely, definitely will. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, they will never... We said this in the first episode. They will never shut up about thermals. Okay, then uh, let, let me take a stab at this. We'll, we'll, I'll, I'll just say the funny number of 69 times, just because this way I'll remember that number, and we'll reconvene near the end of the series to see how much, close I'm right. <laughs> Because again, don't know. Uh, in any case, uh, they agree that... You mean, you mean th- 69 times in the entire series? Yeah, which I feel like might be... Oh, no, <laughs> that's probably no, way that's... more than okay, that. Yeah, I I was like, like well... It's way more than that. 
Well, we'll see how because it's at least once in every book. Okay. Well, we'll we'll see how uh, far off I am in like five years. I feel like ninety <clears throat> would be the minimum guess if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah. See yeah. that, I, I... and that's low. That's like, I I would suspect a lot higher than that. Yeah, I guess I would just think that triple digits would be too much, though. <laughs> no, but uh, remember, uh, one sixth of these books are narrated by a bird. Tr- yeah. Uh, true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, whatever. In any case, uh, <laughs> they agree that flying fucking rules, but Tobias does also bring up that being able to sit on the couch with some snacks and watch TV is also pretty cool. But he says it not in a I'm feeling sorry for myself sort of way. It's just like he's just stating a fact. It's like, yeah. That, that's also neat. <laughs> uh, but when they meet up with the others, Marco immediately says that they could have coordinated morphing outfits instead of just being a hodgepodge of clothes, which of course leads to a Fantastic Four and X-Men conversation, since he doesn't think people who see them would go, oh wow, superheroes. But Rachel tells him to face reality yeah. that they're not superheroes, which true, but also and, and... not fully accurate. <laughs> Well, Mar- Marco also responds by saying, yeah, no, but I wish we were, because heroes in comic books don't die, <laughs> or when they do, they get to come back. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it, this, this is, this is part of Marco dealing with the stress that he's under. Yeah, like, just uh, being like, well, so if that... I'm a, su- if people thought I was a superhero, that means I don't die, and, but if I do, it'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> I'll come back in, like, two issues. I think there's only yeah. like one permanent superhero death these days because the joke always used to be that Bucky and Uncle Ben were the only ones who would never come back, and now they both have. So, <laughs> but, but basically, oh, Uncle ben just came back now? the original Human Torch. <laughs> what about what about Bruce Wayne's parents? Uh, they've been but back they're not and forth, yeah, in and out. Oh, yep. really? It, huh. I, I guess. I mean, again, I don't know enough about comic books <laughs> to really say so. Yeah, but like again, like we we mentioned that superheroes always come back, but it's like you brought up Uncle Ben and uh, you know Batman's parents. They're not superheroes; they're just people. But they still come back. Though. Like in a true, but in that's a, like an abstract sense, I guess the Animorphs are superheroes in that they have powers and do some heroic stuff sometimes. Arguably, but like in the genre sense, definitely not. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, they are not. Uh, but in any case, uh, Jake at this point is incredibly rude by covering Marco's mouth to shut him up, and then he uses the term people, which he even says, and I use that term loosely when addressing the group as a whole. I, 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 I feel like it's intended to be more towards Marco in particular, but it's still very rude. <laughs> in fairness, Jake and Rachel are both, like, 20% human. They've got four animals apiece, so... <laughs> <laughs> I guess... It's, it's, they're still human at their core, though. <laughs> but yeah, in any case, uh, this once again brings up Marco's tragic backstory, which I put in all caps, well, uh, all uh, capital first letters, uh, and how he wants to spend time with his dad. And Jake and Rachel are about to tell him to get a grip on reality, but Cassie tells him that his dad does come first, since what they're doing isn't important, they forget why they're doing it. Which again, fair. Uh, and this does get Rachel to back off and tells Marco to tell his dad that he loves him next time he sees him, which Marco in his usual sarcastic way is like, oh yeah, that's not gonna be anything weird, but, you know, she can tell he appreciates it because he's Marco. This is what I love about Rachel and Marco's relationship, is that it is both supportive and antagonistic. Yeah. In, in, a, way, in a way that I think the antagonism 
is part of the supportiveness. Yeah. Rachel and Marco both need someone to bounce off of. <laughs> it's kind of and they have each other, and it's beautiful. It's kind of the dynamic that I have with uh, one of my friends in particular in all of our uh, tabletop characters, in a sense, <laughs> where it's like, yeah, we we our characters usually end up dragging each other at times, but at the same time, it's like they're like, yeah, but we're not assholes to each other. <laughs> Sometimes we both need humbling, is the thing. I will say, like. At this point, their relationship is pretty out-and-out hostile, but they will develop, like, yeah. a sort of playful antagonism where they can make fun of each other without it just being mean all the time, so that's... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, know, you know, the way that, like, usually, like, good friends do, just because yeah. they know that they're not pushing each other's buttons yeah. that way. If they do, they'll tell each other. <laughs> uh, but yeah, in any case, uh, Rachel says that she wants to go back to Chapman's house because they know he and Visitory talk, and they both know where the Kendrona is, so again, it's their only lead, basically. Uh, but Jake doesn't want her to go in there alone, but Rachel says that as Fluffer she can go in there without being found out, and uh, she made a point to n- <laughs> she basically made a point to not tell them that Visitory found her in the room the other day and wanted her dead, because <laughs> again. Why, why do these kids not tell each other the truth? <laughs> yeah, in any case. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a really dumb it's a really dumb thing that yeah. happens in this book, and I think they learn from it, and they don't do it all that much again okay. in the future. That's, that's good to know that they just don't keep doing this stuff. Yeah. Okay. Well, they they've only done like one big mission before. True. Uh, and that didn't go very well. No. This is their like second one, and this is sneaking into someone's house. Yeah. This is literally um, like ten, like eleven days later, I guess. They're not. They're not experienced at this yet. <laughs> no. They're not good at it yet. Yeah. They won't be for a while. They, they, they have they to. Ever are. <laughs> they're they're better than most people would be, I think. <laughs> like. They certainly managed to, okay, I don't know if it's necessarily by luck, but they certainly managed to get some some good successes. That is absolutely true, Um, but there are definitely things that happen entirely too late in the game for me to consider them good at this. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Well, in any case... Just, again, though, they are (laughs) preteens. Yeah, they Um, they are, like, 13. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. In any case here, uh... Cassie just finds her reasoning sus anyway, because she's just, like, trying to just avoid actually telling them the truth here about almost being killed. And Tobias sends her a message directly to herself and nobody else. So, foreshadowing, in a sense. Uh, Cassie does suggest that they should think of a way to have someone go with her, but Rachel gives them basically just, like, a sarcastic, like, well, what are you going to do, be a flea on my back? It's definitely not going to come up at all again in, like, a chapter. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not. <laughs> Way to go, no, Rachel. Totally. That, that is... That's not foreshadowing. It definitely didn't give them yeah, an idea. The, <laughs> the pinnacle example of the nice job breaking it hero trope. <laughs> Just yeah. giving your friends a good idea to how to go in with you. Uh, but she reaffirmed that she just wants to find a way to hear it the Yerks, but Tobias DMs her since she know, he knows that she just wants to go in there to help Melissa more than anything. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so we go to chapter 16. And I've called this one bugging your friends for fun and profit. <laughs> um, so the Animorphs return to the Chapman residence to gain more information on the Kondrona, ostensibly, but Rachel really, you know, her, her motivation is to help Melissa. Her motivation is to be a cat and some more. <laughs> <laughs> um, Fair. <laughs> 
So, Jake is not there, mysteriously. Apparently, he's been grounded. Um, yeah, I don't know why they don't wait three more days for him. They did it once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Just being like, well, I guess we can't expect to always have everybody here, so I guess... Well, the re- yeah, the real reason they don't wait three more days is because they're lying about that. Yeah. <laughs> but if we, uh, if we weren't alluding to that as much just in the previous chapter synopsis. And specifically, everyone is in on this except for Rachel, uh, which seems... Real mean <laughs> and dumb, uh, but at the same time, I also wouldn't trust Rachel right now. <laughs> so, because um, she's kind of acting in an irrational way, uh, understandably. Yeah, but I mean, that's going to be still. Like her whole character description for a lot of the series, though. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, so. They really don't have a plan other than just the thing they did before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rachel morphs Fluffer again. Um, Fluffer at this point is already like gone, so they don't necessarily have to deal with that right now. Um, luckily, uh, she uh, apparently he's torturing a rat because uh, cats are dicks. <laughs> um, so Rachel morphs Fluffer. And then Cassie, like, I guess in a reassuring way, gets down and makes a point to um, pet Rachel on the head. Uh, Which, again, is weird. Like, there's a reason for this. There's a reason she's doing this. But you don't just pet your friends. (laughs) It's way too long, too, yeah. Like, even Rachel's like, I don't care if they're... Yeah, yeah, I don't care if they're an animal currently. You just don't... Like, unless it's consensual, unless you've both agreed or you're both into that, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's weird. Um, also, we get an interesting, like, note that uh, rain makes it harder for cats to, like, register their surroundings because of the sound, because of, of the, 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 the dampening effect it has on the smell, um, which makes some sense. Uh, and I, I, I like that detail, actually. <laughs> Um, so, both Rachel and, both, like, human Rachel and cat Rachel are very interested in going inside, because, um, one, that's where the mission is, and two, there's no rain in there. Yeah, Fluffer McKitty does not want to go inside. (laughs) Sorry, what's that? Yeah, Fluffer, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, and yet Fluffer McKitty, who's out there torching a rat, is perfectly fine. I don't know. (laughs) Um, so... She goes back in, and it's the same situation. Chapman is doing his his uh, his daily sit on the couch in anticipation of having to talk to his boss routine, and I I have to I have to think of it that way because like the the descriptions we get later of Yerks and like their their personalities their needs they are like people, <laughs> you know. They're people who are slugs and have to infest other people's bodies in order to move around and see and stuff. But they're still, like, people who can get bored and and communicate with each other and have emotions and whatnot. So I, 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 I feel like sitting and watching a blank television screen 
probably not (laughs) the best use of a Yerk's time, either from, like, a utilitarian perspective, or just the fact that that would be boring. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) I don't know, maybe Um, Six is really into uh, meditation. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's possible. He's like, oh, Visor, like a... Visor Three. I didn't find those uh, andalites, but I did hear about this thing called mindfulness. <laughs> yeah, maybe you should try it's it too actually... sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it actually does does help uh, dominating your host. Um, so, Rachel again, same exact, and this is why I don't think it's a it's a it's a coincidence because Chapman goes downstairs at the same exact time. Um, I believe like right at eight so if they had assumed if they assumed like oh this is a scheduled thing going at the same time would mean that they'd be able to give in on the next meeting you know what i mean mm-hmm. um so i don't necessarily think it's just a complete coincidence they happened to be in at this meeting at the exact you know same time like when, when it was happening i i, I think it's, a, it's just a matter of timing yeah i think that's probably um, fair i just like what is Visser 3's life it was like luck- when he has time to have this meeting every day? <laughs> um, well, isn't Innis 226, like, his second in command? I feel like they probably have to communicate a lot. Uh, I don't think he's the second in command, but he is fairly high up there. I, I don't think we actually well, yeah. have a second in command for the Visser's forces. He's too, uh, he's too him to have a direct line of succession like that. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Uh, he can barely stand being... He can barely stand having a boss. Yeah, exactly. Honestly. <laughs> um, he would just, like... If he had a second of, second in command, the second in command probably would not live very long. <laughs> <laughs> so, at a certain point, when they're walking toward the, uh, the, the man cave, um, Chapman makes a sudden movement, and Rachel sort of bucks in order to avoid him. And then we get thought speak from Jake saying what's going on. And Rachel is understandably confused. Why is Jake talking to me? Why is, like, how did he know that I moved? Uh, turns out Jake is a flea and Cassie had deposited Jake uh, on to Rachel when petting her, which mm-hmm. is just really just a real dick move, and Rachel is understandably outraged at this. Uh-huh, I would yeah. be too. Yeah. Like, oh, like, my so-called friends went ahead and tricked me while non-consensually petting my head? Alright. Like, there's, there's, there's also the fact that there's also the fact that communication's an important thing in, in this kind uh-huh, of, yeah. of situation, mm-hmm. and you're not doing that. You, you, you could pull Rachel out, Jake, the leader, <laughs> and have someone else go in instead, which I would have done. Because one, I don't think that's ne- it's necessary for, for Rachel to go in twice in a row. Uh, and, and two, clearly this isn't Rachel's thing. Like, this, this isn't something that Rachel should be doing. It's too personal for her. But yeah, like, there's a conflict they're kids here. and they're going to make <laughs> dumb decisions. Mm-hmm. So it's fine. Well, I agree um, with you there. That would mean capturing Fluffer again. And you remember what an ordeal that was last time. <laughs> that's true. That is true, yeah. yeah. Um, but Tobias could probably grab him easily. He's a, he's a bird. I <laughs> think if Rachel had communicated everything that was necessary 
the plan probably would have been completely different. Uh, I think that maybe that would have been worth it. Yeah. But so, and this is a relatively minor question compared to everything else, but uh, I've never seen a flea. Can you just grab them and acquire them? How did he do this? <laughs> <laughs> um, they probably. I mean, you you can see fleas. They're they're large enough to see. You can touch them. They're just very very small. Mm. Um, they're about the size of like a gnat. Uh, that seems difficult. Does it? I guess if he went to the animal barn and got a flea on him there, could he acquire it if it jumped onto him instead of him touching it? Would that work? <laughs> I feel like all that's necessary is contact. <laughs> okay, yeah, so all I he think, has to I think do so. is infest himself with fleas, and then he's good. No worries. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then he can more flea, and then the fleas, like, just... He also gets all the fleas off, because, you know, he's yeah, too exactly. small. <laughs> um... So I've called chapter 17 the same exact dumb plan fails in the same exact dumb way. <laughs> because that's what happens in this chapter. You're not uh, wrong. Yeah. Like, again, like, if they wanted to go ahead and do this in a different way and not have Rachel go in again, Jake has a lizard morph. Just morph as lizard. Yeah, that's true. Uh, there are a lot of better animals than the cat. Because the main drawback of the cat is that it's big enough yeah, you can to be it. easily noticed yeah. in the tiny like communications room that Chapman went into. Yeah, like, I mean, Rachel also has a shrew. Like, they probably don't want to send her in again necessarily, but it's like, she has a different form that is smaller. Yeah, she does. Also, if, they are, so if they're Rachel... able to grab a cockroach, they could also grab a fly and just fly around doing that. <laughs> I think they were worried about the senses that a fly would have, like whether or not a fly would be capable I guess, of really yeah. understanding. Yeah, considering that Jake is all yeah. just like, I, I kind of can hear talking, but I don't know what the fuck else is going on. <laughs> yeah. Um, in chapter 17, we get a description of what the flea morph is like um, after Rachel freaks out about the fact that they've non-consensually bugged her, literally. Um and Jake says that the flea's instincts are so simple and the mind is so limited that it's actually not that bad. And that the senses are so um, minor, the senses are so bad, are so poor that it, it's not really like being in the flea body. It's more like just kind of existing <laughs> with the flea mind, no, no th- which isn't really all that much. No, it's kind of very yeah, one dimensional. No thoughts, um, head empty, only blood. <laughs> Only no thoughts had empty only blood exactly, which makes me think that Jake is probably definitely drinking Rachel's blood right well, now. Yeah, maybe. Bite to latch, so yeah. Um. So again, weird. Mm-hmm. Uh. So, yeah. At this point, like, I would definitely put someone else on the mission or rotate out, uh, but they didn't do that. <laughs> Yeah, this is like definitely um, the point where you're like, "Yep, abort mission. We're, we'll do this another day. Somebody else yeah. goes in. Well, y'all, y'all are screwing around here, so you get to go and be the ones who do it instead." Now I understand where you're coming from with that, but she is already in the hologram room. It is too late to abort this mission. Yeah, that is true. That true. is true. They are they are in the hologram room at this point, yeah. and um, they're in very close quarters with Chapman. So Rachel does warn Jake not to distract her. Jake asks why, and when Rachel, for the first time, 
tells him that Visser 3, the Visser 3 hologram was there, Jake freaks the hell out about it. Like, why didn't you tell that? Why are we down here? This is insane. Um, that kind of thing should get communicated. Uh, Chapman starts talking to Visser 3 and brags about some new controllers they got. Uh, but then has to explain the concept of an FBI agent to him. Which, again, this guy's in charge of the whole ass invasion of Earth, yep. which is centered in the United States. Mm-hmm. He should know what an FBI agent is. <laughs> if ever, like, the United States government got wind to their whole deal, the FBI would probably be the first ones to worry about honestly um Mr. 3 has to have some way of containing his andalite host when he leaves the body to get into the the yurt pool yeah so why doesn't he just do that and then jump into a human body so he can steal their memories and then back into his andalite it would be so easy i don't think he i don't think he ever leaves the andalite host He, he doesn't have to because of andalite um anatomy and biology because he just, he, I, if I remember correctly, he just drinks the Kadrona in the way that Andalites do. Huh. I do not remember that at all, but okay. <laughs> I do, but we'll get to that, I guess. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that Visser 3 does not leave the body because Andalite, Andalite biology is weird. Hmm. But, um, so Rachel, uh, does get caught again in the same way. <laughs> um, Chapman bumps Rachel with his shoe. Visser 3 sees her. Um, and at this point, since the cat's down here for a second time, they're like, yeah, this is definitely a goddamn Andalite. Um, it's not an Andalite. They don't know that. Uh, but they're on the right track, And Visser 3 least. demands... What's that? They're on the right track, at least, that this is not a They cat. are on the right track, at least. <laughs> Visser 3 demands that Chapman capture Rachel and bring her in for interrogation. Um... Then that begins chapter 18, which I've called Innis 226 and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. (laughs) Uh, So Chapman moves to catch Rachel and succeeds despite Rachel's valiant effort to turn Chapman's hand into hamburger meat with her claws and teeth. Uh, Not enough to prevent Chapman from, like, grabbing her onto her and sort of handling her well enough that she can't really get away. Um, but it is painful, and <laughs> Chapman is, like, exclaiming in pain as he speaks to Visser 3 throughout this scene. Um, because Rachel is very intently making Chapman bleed. <laughs> Visser 3 is again intrigued by the ferocity of the animal that, that Rachel has become, uh, but demands that he bring her to the nearest landing site, uh, killer if she tries to demorph, but his eventual goal is to torture her for information. Um, he says he, he, it's been a while since he's tortured a proud Andalite warrior. Well, it wouldn't uh, have been as long, also, my guy, if you didn't just immediately chomp the last one you had. <laughs> yeah. He also, uh, demands Melissa, um, which Ennis thinks is a terrible idea because they had a deal with the Chapmans, that as long as they remained voluntary hosts, uh, Melissa would not be harmed. And Ennis is not looking forward to having a rebellious host. Um, 
Sorry, quick note. I did a bunch of searching, and yes, apparently Professor 3 does have to leave the Andalite head to feed on Kendrona, so what they do is they sedate him every single time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. Um, every three days. That's so... gotta be rough on a body. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like having to basically have like anesthesia every three days. Mm -hmm. So Chapman, so uh, Visser Three cuts out. Uh, she's like hangs up the hologram, <laughs> and then Chapman straight up throws Rachel across the room, kind of um, against what he was supposed to be doing. Uh, his face, his face is twitching at this point. It seems like he's not entirely in control of himself, uh, but he levels his dracon beam at Rachel and basically like moves her at gunpoint up the uh, up the stairs um at which point he meets Mrs. Chapman the controller uh basically tells her the news and at this point they start just having a fit like they're flailing on the ground hurting themselves as much as possible um, this is host rebellion. The the Chapmans are so upset about the idea that the Yerks are going to renege on their deal and infest Melissa anyway that they're making things as hard as possible uh, for them. <laughs> Eventually, they gain control again, but they're exhausted. They're barely hanging on. They're miserable. And they decide not to bring Melissa because it, 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 would, it would be... Uh, a huge pain for them. Yeah. Chapman mentions that he could, like, dominate the host repeatedly, eventually make it so that Chapman had a hard time rebelling, but Mrs. Chapman says, he really only needs to do this at, like, the proper time, you know, while you're in a meeting with, with parents or something like that. Uh, yeah, it's cool how she says that out loud so you're, Chapman you're covered hear her say that in the back of his mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Don't give him ideas. Um, yeah, exactly. exactly. Like he probably already too, has too many idea. people in this book giving each other really good ideas. <laughs> Be a flea yeah. and I mean, also no matter how... act out when you're dealing with like the public, and therefore would probably lose your position as principal. <laughs> no matter how she communicates that, though, Chapman's going to hear it. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. I just like I don't know. Like if she if she wrote it down, Chapman would be able to read it. Yeah, that's the thing is if if you if you're a yerk in the body of your host, your host is seeing everything you're doing. <laughs> Honestly, I think the best thing to do as a host would just be to figure out what makes your yerk insecure, <laughs> <laughs> and then just like play on those insecurities. Um, just really wreck their self esteem. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh... Because uh, you probably get to know that that individual pretty well, right? One would think. I mean, yeah. Uh, so Chapman forces Rachel into a carrying crate with the Dracon well, beam. To be um, clear, that happens hmm? before the host rebellion. Because if she wasn't already in the cage, oh, she yeah. could have just run while they were busy choking themselves. That's true. Yeah, that is true. That does happen. Yeah, sorry it's all about good. that. Um, the chapter ends when Melissa confronts Mr. Chapman about the fact that he's apparently taking her cat somewhere. Um, Rachel's worried that Melissa will end up having to be taken if she puts up a, a fight about it uh, and sends a thought speech, speech message to Tobias to get the real fluffer back as soon as possible. 
and that's where we end chapter 18. Yeah. It's a uh, it's kind of a weird cliffhanger for us to end on, but that's that's where we're sitting. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. And we only have six more chapters yeah, to go. Yeah, that's so true. Next week we're going to finish this book. Will be, we might have time to actually like talk about the book in full, say how it how it measures up as a second installment in the series. I think this is one of the weaker ones to be fair but then again it is the second one yeah so. yeah like it, it has been entirely focused on like one whole like flat hook of we gotta get in that house but at the same time it's like you kind of expect a lot of these will probably be focused on just like one thing in general compared to like the last one where it's like you get powers then you have to deal with figuring out morphine then you gotta go try to do a terrorism <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, so, some of the some of the books have plots like Oh, we are end up on an alien planet, or there's a space wizard, or <laughs> like something about um, like something with huge stakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and in, in this case, it's just it's just a single house they're dealing with, and just a few villain characters. Yep. Um, who it's a who, much smaller scale story than ones we'll see later. <laughs> And then it's like, well, the villain characters figure them out immediately twice in a row. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in the exact same way, yep. because they did the exact same dumb mm-hmm. plan twice. Yep. <laughs> exact same morph, exact same plan, figured out exactly the same way. Oh, no, who could have foreseen this turn of events where we got figured out and tossed in a cat carrier to be tortured? <laughs> but this is a much more emotionally focused story than... Um, than most of them, than honestly. most of them. I, I feel like that's actually weirdly more common with Rachel. <laughs> um, also Marco, but Rachel quite a bit, because Rachel's an interesting, sort yeah. of complicated character that has a lot of layers to her. I'm remembering the starfish one <laughs> uh, most, most clearly right now. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to that one because it's great. <laughs> oh goodness! Yes. Really, really curious what situation has them have to morph into a starfish now. <laughs> I don't remember why the starfish was morphed. I just remember the effects of the starfish being morphed, which is what the book is about. As I recall, and that book is quite late in the series, but as I yes. recall, by that point in the series, they sometimes just pick up morphs for the hell of having extra morphs. So I mean, it's, it makes sense. It's a smart thing to always have more plans. You never know when you'll need to be a starfish. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> oh, nope, actually, never mind. I remember exactly why it happens. Yep, there's a specific reason she's a starfish. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you never know when you might need to be able to do a, a bumblebee dance to get in with the other bees, guys. You just don't know. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the back of their mind, oh, it's just that they just want to be able to dance as a little bug. <laughs> One of my favorite parts about this series is how they deal with hive-based animals. <laughs> it's great. I love it. It's very, like, existential horror. <laughs> I mean, yeah, considering that a lot of those, like, uh, oh god, I'm trying to remember what the term is. I definitely heard it on a number of uh, Zootier uh, videos. The one that, like, they basically all just, like, have, like, the same mind, more or less, and all work towards the same goal, like, ants and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, that being like, oh, yeah, I'm not an individual. <laughs> you, you social is, is right, the yeah, word that, for it. Right, yeah, that, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's real fun. I, I can't wait to get there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
yeah, I guess the last thing I'd really want to say about these chapters is that it does feel weird to me that, like, and maybe I'm overestimating him here, but if I were in Visor 3's position, I don't think I would assume it was an Andalite the second time it happened, surely because I don't think I would assume the Andalites would be stupid enough to try that twice, especially after being <laughs> called out the first time. <laughs> right, but the thing is that, honestly... I think Visser 3 is stupid enough to try that twice. <laughs> and I don't think that he would think that someone else who tried that twice was stupid. I guess that's fair. <laughs> the, thing, the thing about the thing about Visser 3 that you have to remember is that he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> Alright, yep, you got me there. Uh... <sighs> Sorry to mention this on the podcast here itself, but uh, I'm looking at the PDF that we've been using for this. Uh, chapter 23 just ends after a few, a few paragraphs, and there's no chapter 24. <laughs> uh, uh, well, there's other PDFs. Yep, that is yeah. the end of the book. But you know why that is? Is because last time two chapters got merged into one, if you recall. So we, yeah, we have the full oh, text yeah. of the book. It's just split up incorrectly. I see. Okay. So, well, it is it is what yeah, it is. We'll figure it um, out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chapter twenty three is in this one, half a page yep. long, which is <laughs> chapter twenty two is only a little bit more than one page. Well, we'll deal with that. I guess I'll have very little to do next. Uh, actually, next episode. if we'll figure this out off the air, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Probably should have mentioned this afterwards, this. just because, like, yeah, it yeah. a little conversation, but still. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I think I think Rachel's one of my favorite narrators. I honestly, I think for me it goes Axe on top, and then Marco, and then Tobias, then Rachel. That's a very solid rank. And Cassie, then Jake. <laughs> So I guess I guess I wouldn't say that Rachel's my favorite, but like I I rank all those those top those top four up close to each other. You yeah, know what I mean? Sure. I just I just I just like as much as I like Cassie and Jake, I don't like how they narrate things all I that think much. Jake gets a lot more interesting when we get later in the series, but also there is the Beaver one. So like, he never quite stops being white. Yeah, bread. exactly. I think he just like eventually he just becomes like white toast <laughs> instead of white bread. And white toast is a little bit more interesting than white bread because of texture, but it basically has the same basic flavor, you know? Now I need to know the... I feel like that's Jake. Now I'm super curious about the context of when Jake has to be a beaver. (laughs) Uh, I'll tell you this much. It's super secondary and not actually necessary to the plot. (laughs) (laughs) Jake's just like, yeah, I got super into this little indie game called Minecraft, guys, and I really wanted to build something real life, so uh, I grabbed a beaver. (laughs) <laughs> built myself a secondary home in this uh, river yeah want to check it out <laughs> yeah um i guess uh that's that's pretty much it for this week so until next time when we will be finishing animorphs book two uh remember zero did nothing wrong <laughs> you know it's an unpopular opinion but i have to say zero did nothing wrong uh, ideally, I am not being led astray when I also say that Zero has been doing nothing wrong. <laughs> Would we lie to you? It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>